welcome to a tale of two raps plus one. A fantasy football podcast with a trash-talking three-peat champion, a numbers-crunching nerd who doesn't watch college football, and a wonderful plus one who is just an elegant, well-spoken host that really tries to drive and push to give you the best fantasy football podcast out there. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. And guys, I did it. I have defeated Todd in a league for a championship. I am a champion in a league with Todd. It doesn't feel real. I, I'm i not going to really brag about it, honestly, because I knowing what it's like to lose for 11 years, I I don't want to do that. To anybody else. So I'm just going to say that I'm very content. I feel at peace. I, it hasn't sunk in yet, but this week has been surreal. And my wife is finally happy that fantasy playoffs are over with because it was very stressful in our household. So am I your measuring stick? Is that what you're telling me? I don't know what to say to that. Kennedy, Kennedy, didn't it just kind of sound like I actually won a league with Todd sounds like a measuring stick? It seemed like it. I think framing it as 11 years, which, wow, Dave, I mean, that losing streak is a fourth grader. I've won that league twice already. You've lapped him. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound great, but I mean, applause to you, David. No, I'm, I'm thrilled for you, man. It was funny. Like, I actually texted him and I said, you know, if I lose, I'm really happy for you. Normally, if I lose in these things, I'm pretty upset. But I was like, thank God Dave finally got a monkey off his back. I'm glad that he did because it saves me on having to come through with a lot of plans on how to torture Dave every year when he loses fantasy championships. You know, I had to top myself last year from the 504 note, and I had something planned, and thank God he won, so now I don't have to try and pull it off. I mean, it finally happened. Hey, who is that other beautiful voice out there? Oh, you got FF Walrus, Sean Kennedy. Um, thank you, Todd, for your lovely introduction. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I really, really like felt that one, guys. I'm really excited. I honestly feel like I enjoy the offseason more than actually playing the game. I've been diving hard already in the 20, 2021 Devi rankings, and like they're still playing. I'm very, very excited to wrap up the year, uh, but at the same time, it was a rough playoff for me, so I figured we'd check in with everybody about playoffs. I was a little up and down. I went two for five in title games. I won a 30-man team league that's like a World War III three-year dynasty league with j as my co-manager. Uh, we're donating our winnings to a local homeless shelter from that league. I lost to Dave in 2K, but I do feel vindicated that Corey Davis did put up indeed zero points in our matchup, and I told him that would happen. I lost my IDP title, and the belt's finally leaving my house, and that's going to Sads, and I also got creamed in one of my Debbie weeks. But, but, none of that matters, because I am indeed the three-peat champion of the Tale Two Rivals Dynasty League. I cannot be stopped. You guys can't handle this smoke. Wait a minute. Are we resetting the lead because I'm too dominant? Like, you guys can't handle this? Like, I'm so good that it's not fun or fair to play with me that we have to start over? Uh, Sean, I don't know about you, but I was actually more scared of what Sad's team's going to be next year. Dave, usually... Uh, Dave, nobody can see your face. If you're saying something sarcastically, you have to give some kind of verbal <laughs> cue. <laughs> but the 3P champion is here. If you're listening to this, remember, I've been kicking these guys' asses for three straight years now. We know whose advice is a winning advice. And Dave finally beat me in a league, and it only took him over a decade. Just saying. Sean, 
How did things go for you for playoffs? Two dynasty leagues this year. I skipped all my redraft. I won one of them, which was fantastic. And then in the other one was, as Todd's very boisterous victory lap, just informed everybody not so great for yours truly. Uh, but, you know, Todd, I got to thank you in a weird twist for it because you had Kamara go on Friday, which was just, I, I didn't even have words. I was sitting there watching it and talking to my wife. And she was actually invested in figuring out how badly I was losing. That's that's how amazing Kamara was. But it made me think of Tyler Durden and the quote that it's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything at all. Because this was the first weekend since probably 1998 where I've had none of my fantasy teams be in the playoffs or competing at all or the New England Patriots aren't in some kind of game to determine playoff scenarios or I'm sitting there trying to watch other games to figure out how the Patriots are going to fare. So this was over two decades streak that you broke of just leaving me free to enjoy week 16 football with no biases or real investments. So bravo to you, sir. You're welcome, man. Yeah. I also had Delvin Cook and Emmanuel Sanders in that game. So it was. And I feel pretty good about second place in that league because I spent the whole year without my two best players. So, Todd, good for us both. Yeah, absolutely, man. I feel like my team needs some serious reevaluation because the cliff is coming. But at the same time, I three-peated. This is like a boast for a long time. And I think Father B, who said that we can't shut Todd up until somebody four-peats or three-peats themselves. And I said, it's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. You know, I'm a little humble about it. I'll try to, you know, pick up the celebration a little bit more because, you know, I know I'm kind of keeping it low-key right now. But anyways, Dave, you have any thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are, I don't care. I beat you in 2K. I'm a member of the executive board. I did it, baby. We're champions. Corey Davis, boom. You did it, buddy. I don't care. Young, young <laughs> you did Is it, buddy. moral support? Yeah, let's go, baby. We did it. A zero. A zero. I have never rooted against the Patriots so hard as I did the other uh, Monday night. When that roughing the passer was called, I think my wife had to go to bed. She couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> Dude, I, that game was torturous as a Patriots fan, and in every single matchup, I needed somebody to do something. All right. You guys want to get into the question of the day? Let's do it. So for our question of the day today, we're kind of following up on our Festivus question of the day from last time. But keeping it clean, you know, I know Dave likes to pitch us as a family-friendly show here, what with the edits and the bleeps and everything. So, what is your favorite profanity-free insult to call somebody? Dave. So, I've been on a quest for several years to avoid using insults uh, that basically make fun of how uh, things that a person can't control, like their gender, appearance, or sexual orientation. Like, it's been a, a little thing for me. That's why I'm the gender-neutral drinks are league champions in 2K. So, that is my team name. And I'll be honest, I've had a hard time not calling people genitalia. That was a go-to for me, but I had to, I had to take a step back. And, and so my go-to now is dingleberry. I, I really enjoy the word. I think it, it's goofy sounding. Not a lot of people know what it means. And it conveys the perfect amount of disrespect that a fecal matter surrounding someone's anus would imply. So that's why I go with dingleberry. Wow. I think it's actually pretty insensitive, dude. I mean, what about those people with like, you know, you know, gastric problems, dude? I mean, that's pretty insensitive, Dave. A gastrointestinal problem, Todd, doesn't affect your hands. Your hands that's, are still operational at that point. True. You can get that's a bidet. 
I, I I tried really hard to spin that one, but no, Dingleberry is a good one. I tried really, actually, I didn't try that hard. I gave a lame effort there. But anyways. Might you say you left it hanging? <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, yeah, Dingleberry is a good one. Quality wiping avoids that situation. Todd, what is yours? Mine is noob. I'm a big fan of the word noob. So it feels so innocent to say, but it's pretty much saying that you don't have a freaking clue about something and your opinion really doesn't matter. Uh, I use it regularly in fantasy. In fact, I used it this week with a new team member, uh, with a new uh, league member, and it's just a good time. That, shout out to Nubs. He's on. He's the new team member, so he's at Nubs on Twitter. Oh, nice. All right. I actually insult people regularly that I don't actually mean the insult to whatsoever because I'm that good of a friend. If you're an actual noob, I probably would not call that to your face. 99% of the things I say are just sarcastic. But noob is a great word. Um, it's phenomenal to use in the fantasy community to put people down as saying, like, you really don't know what you're talking about. And I'm on it. I like it. I've always felt like the simpler whatever you're saying is, like the less of a comeback somebody has to it. So in that vein, my favorite profanity-free insult to call somebody is a mouth breather. In fact, I called Todd a mouth breather one time, and he like flipped <laughs> out about it. Because I think it's just, it's perfect. And it's it, cutting it really, on so many it levels. It really did offend me. Yeah. It really did. You're insulting their aesthetic. You're insulting their intelligence. Like, we can all picture a mouth breather. For me, the default image is D. Reynolds riding the bus in Always Sunny. When the mouth breather is like right up in her face and then he ends up throwing up on her. And he's just got this vacant expression and a little bit of drool. Everybody can picture that person. But at some point in our lives, we've had a really zoned out moment or where you're like wicked sick and you're stuffed up and you catch yourself in the mirror and you're just like, that's what I look like with my mouth hanging open. And I think it's just, it's perfect. It's cutting. Nobody can really say anything back to it because it's barely even an insult, but it's just, it's something about it like crawls under the skin. I can attest that that really did. Yeah. It, I, I, you know what? I think you're the first person ever to call me that. So when I really process it, I was offended. It's a good it one. I deploy it regularly. Yeah. That's another good one. All right. Kennedy, you want to explain the topic of the day, my friend? Yeah, so our topic, now that the fantasy season has wrapped up, unless, in the words of David Wright, you are a mark-ass trick and you play Week 17. Chances are your league has wrapped up. Ours all have, and since they have, we want to do a little year in review here because as educators and just successful fantasy players, you know, we really believe that part of the process needs to be reevaluating where you were in regards to where you are what worked for you, what didn't, what went well, and how you're going to use all that information to get even better in the following year. So we're going to run through some lessons of 2020 that we can employ in the 2021 fantasy landscape. And for the first question, what or who did you get right? So what's a prediction about an individual player, an offense as a whole, a coach and their impact on a team, anything like that? What's a flag that you planted that ended up being correct? Dave. Believe it or not, a lot of my, well, actually, you can actually all can probably believe this. This is actually one of the most, the least successful years I've had with my flag plants, but it's also one of my most successful years in fantasy. So it's kind of weird. So you shouldn't follow your own advice is what we're learning. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I just think it's kind of funny how that worked out this year. But something that I really thought, or a few things that I really nailed were, I really think I nailed the rookie running backs. All of the big five have shown that they have talent. Yes, CH has disappointed. But before he was injured, he was still the RB12. That's a valuable dynasty asset. Swift is an early second round pick in Superflex startup pick drafts right now. Taylor was the RB7 overall this year, despite that slow start. 
And Akers looked like a stud when he was finally given an opportunity. And then Dobbins took over for, took over from the, the backfield from Ingram. Yes, Gus Edwards still was there. Dobbins made that a two-person backfield. So I feel pretty happy about how the rookie running backs, and all of them have accrued value as of late. So that's a good feel for me. So I think, yeah, th- those were pretty right on. I think really the main takeaway there is patience, right? Obviously, these guys were pretty hyped coming in. Some of their situations and their landing spots were unbelievable, like CEH. But like, how nervous were you watching Jonathan Taylor until about week 10? So I think their their bye week was week seven or something like that. And he came out disappointed. And uh, Wilkins came out and had like over 50% of the opportunities or something like that. And I went on a show, Peter Howard had a stream, and we redid the rookie draft pick, Superflex rookie draft. And I had the 101, and I still took Jonathan Taylor. So I, I stuck to my guns. And in like peak hate on Jonathan Taylor, and everyone, I was laughed at. And I said, <laughs> nope, Jonathan Taylor's still my 101. Beautiful. And I, I feel, now was I a little worried? Yes, but I, there was too many things that pointed to, to him being a good player. So I'm, I'm happy with how Jonathan Taylor turned out. Excellent. I'm calling low hanging fruit. Everybody liked the rookie running backs. Look at me. I said they were I was way ahead out ahead of on everyone. Like I was every single player I had ranked ahead of consensus and and significantly at early on in the process too. So Dave, Superflex draft, would you take any wide receivers from this class over any of those five running backs? Oh yeah, I'd definitely take yeah, I'd take Justin Jefferson. I'd take uh CeeDee Lamb over yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> so they're they're not a they're not a smash top five. They're not a smash top five, but overall in fantasy, their their value has increased, and I and I feel very confident as a draft strategy that paid off. Fantastic. Well, I gotta say the whole idea of that you do you have Swift over Taylor right now? I do. Yes, yes, I do. That's wild. That's wild. What's the linchpin of that, Dave? Why? Uh, his receiving floor is just too great. Even though Taylor has shown that he's a competent receiver, I think Swift's dynamism in both has such an upside week to week that is game can be game script independent. And also we saw how Indianapolis can phase out Taylor for certain reasons, whereas Swift's receiving ability will make it difficult for them to do that. Fantastic. What else you learn? What else you get right? Chase Edmonds, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As the RB 23, I was roasted for this in a lot of places. Now the hot take was that he would finish higher than Drake. That didn't happen. But he only scored 20 points less on 106 fewer touches. That's ridiculous how much more efficient Chase Edmonds was. And overall, Drake did finish okay. But that was a lot towards the end of the season there. Chase Edmonds was a viable flex option in deeper leagues throughout. He was being drafted in the 11th, late 11th round. Very good target. It was, I'm really happy about Chase Edmonds. I know. Tail two rivals favorite, right, Todd? Heck yeah, man. I mean, that's like when I saw it on your sheet, I'm like, I'm on that too, man. I mean, he's the only emergency episode we've ever had. And that was not even this year. It was the year before. And I actually, I'm going to talk about him again later. And um, yeah, this is a guy that we've been high on for a long time. And that's a nice stat. Only 20 points less on 106 fewer touches. Doesn't surprise me whatsoever, but it's nice to see the numbers. And then next was fade Kittle. And I know it's tough to like say, oh, well, he got injured. So, oh, congratulate. And that's not really the point. The idea behind the process of fading t- Kittle was his value in Superflex was so high that and what you could get back for him combined with the natural injury risk of the position and Kittle's 
style of play, I felt like he was a good fade. And Wiss, he was still a beast when he played, but I still feel like that was a very good call. And it was fun to be Dr. Spaceman for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> um, I traded for him and Dave was fading on him and then like playing the doctor thing where Dave never does that. And then it actually happened. And then I definitely sold Kittle. Um, I'm happy about what I got back for Kittle. I got back Damian Harris, a first round pick and Cole Beasley for a playoff run. And I really like Harris in general. But yeah, no, it still hurt. And I gave up Delvin Cook to get Kittle, but I got Delvin Cook back. The Kittle fade was an excellent call. And then just quickly, I'm going to go through these last couple really quickly. Handcuff RBs. I was really high on Geo, like four rounds ahead of consensus. I had Mike Davis in all of my leagues because I just people were Reggie Bonifon, all this other stuff. And I was like, no, Mike Davis is the is the guy to have in this backfield. Nailed that. And then Edo Smith, baby. Hell yeah. Got that one right. <laughs> Only took That's right, baby. Weeks. I love Edo. Edo Smith. It didn't so. take 15 weeks. It took two years <laughs> but it happened but it happened that did point 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 so, dave and i i actually a guy called me out for, i i was made this comment jokingly on twitter after he was taking over and and he was oh it just took you 14 weeks of I mean, your bench of doing nothing i was like are you kidding me he was on my bench i dropped him five times and he's on someone else's roster now so <laughs> like but still it feels good uh and then Corey davis I faded him, but he was still in my top 45 wide receivers. He was being drafted as a wide receiver 72. I still believed him. Not as high as Peter Howard was, but still, I loved me some Corey Davis. And it was I was ha- and I traded for him for pennies as a as a flyer on the part of a deal. And I and I feel very vindicated to, to see him go off. And uh, Corey Davis, man, congratulations! You know he was for anybody who invested in him, they that really paid off in week 16. So um, yeah. I'm glad for anybody who didn't fade on Corey Davis. I'm... He was the rallying point. He's probably not very many people had him on championship teams, probably because he did not. He probably disappointed for a lot of people. But I, I tried to tell you to take him out, Dave. I tried to help you, but you won anyway. So it's to try and dunk on you for like propping yourself up on the wide receiver 32. But 945 yards and five touchdowns. That's a nice little stat line. It's not shabby. It's not no. shabby. And that's with a, a goose egg in week 16. And I think he missed, didn't he miss a game? He or missed two? two games. Yeah. One game. So. No, two games. I'm pretty happy with how my record turned out. Todd had a lot of bigger hits, but overall, I'm pretty happy with how the season hit. Fantastic. Todd, I know it's going to be hard to really drag you out of your shell and get you to talk about your successes here and your <laughs> triumphs, but why don't you hit us with it? What'd you get right? Uh, I think the number one that I hit on, and it was the guy who was pounding the pavement about the most, would be uh, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was looked at like a mid to like late white two in a lot of leagues. And like, that made no sense, even though he was, he broke my heart in multiple places. But I mean, guys get hurt and they can't help it. He'd still finish as the wide receiver nine and PPR after not playing in week 16 and putting up like less than two points in, um, in uh, week 15. So he was an absolute beast. Yeah, so Keenan Allen was by far my best hit, and I still believe in him going forward. And I think that that offense is only going to improve. Uh, the other two guys that I think I was big on, I was really pounding the table about how people are fa- fading on Aaron Jones a little too much, and Adam Thielen. So I think that we are, in Dynasty community, so quick to look for youth that we make guys age a little too quickly at times. And I think those are two guys that were great value. I mean, granted, they weren't, cheap per se but they were 
cheaper than what their value was in return, which Thielen finished the wide receiver 10. Uh, Aaron Jones finished the running back five. So if you were fanning on them, you missed an opportunity on picking up some significant value if you were a contender. Tyler Boyd was significantly better than A.J. Green. I'm really looking forward to my free beer from Dave on that one. And that was not even a hard bet for me. So Dave was talking about how he was much higher on the running backs. I think one guy that I was particularly high on that a lot of people weren't was uh, T. Higgins. I mean, if you were high on T. Higgins, you were high on T. Higgins. He's currently the wide receiver uh, 24. It probably would have been higher if Burrow didn't go down. And I test alone knows that T. Higgins is the beast. And he's probably going to be the number one wide receiver in that team as soon as next year. Of course, C.D. Lamb. But I'll get more into that later. Another guy that I was really high on was TJ Hawkinson is somebody I spoke about investing in for managers who were too impatient with the tight end position this year. And he absolutely went off and he's definitely a stud going forward as a tight end in dynasty formats. And my sweetest pick that I've been talking about for two years was Gus Edwards. I talked about how Gus Edwards, if he gets volume, he's going to be good. Now, granted, Gus wasn't a top 24 back. But when he was given the chance to play, he was somebody who could plug and play and start, and he won you some matchups. So you probably could have got him for a fourth round pick. If you, that you could have got him for Fab Bucks, you could have yeah. traded Fab Bucks for him. And I'm going to get into him a little bit more in depth later. So I would say that, like you know, I had some other buys there, but to stay humble, like I'd say those are probably my highlights for the year. Well, we all appreciate you staying humble. Um, love the love the Gus Edwards one too. I feel like those those are the league winning plays, right? Just these kind of quiet, unsuspenseful moves that really can make waves and can pay off. All right, so the inverse, Todd. Oh, can I actually just interrupt really quick, Sean? I, if you must, I do. So Tyler Boyd, actually, I was looking at my ranks. I was still a full round and a half higher on him in in Dynasty than and the consensus. So I was looking back, it's like I think how funny it would be if I had included him on my hits, but the, but that wouldn't have gone over well here. I <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> and he had less air yards than AJ Green and still dominated him. Uh, Dave, also, I got a, I got a bone to pick with you about this AJ Green thing. Yeah. What's up with just sending me the money? I was expecting a delivery. So the thing with that, Sean, is, is I looked you up on Drizzly. They do not deliver to your address. No, 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 no. A delivery from you, Drizzly. It's New Hampshire. New Hampshire doesn't have anything cool. Drizzly doesn't exist here. Yeah, so I, I will say that I did try. Quinn's like, why are you looking up that address? I was like, oh, I, I owe Sean a bottle of gin. So it won't be hand-delivered by you? It won't be hand-delivered. Well, no. that's disappointing. But I have Pacific Brewery that you're getting me beer from at some point, correct? Yeah, so that's why. I did pay the out-of-state price, though, on the gin, so Sean, so you get a, you get a little bit more value. So I get it's like a delivery fee for having to go get it myself. Exactly. Yeah. All right, I can live with that. All right, Todd. Inverse question. What did you get wrong? So what prediction, individual player, offense as a whole, coach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you made preseason that really just didn't pan out? So there are plenty, but I mean, there's one that really just takes the cake. And Kyler Murray, man, if you go on Twitter, there's a soundbite that Sean put up about me saying don't invest in Kyler Murray. Probably my biggest miss in a long time. Yeah, I knew there was rushing upside, but it was significantly higher than I expected. I feel like this was more like a one QB take or like the dynasty cost was too much to get him. But it turns out he was probably undervalued in the preseason for what he was able to put out. And I know that like people were really high on him, but he was still looked at as like QB five, maybe QB four. 
So, like, whatever you invested in him to get him in the preseason, he exceeded whatever you paid to get him, most likely. If you paid more than what he did, then hats off to you for knowing what was going to happen, because I was fading on him hard at his ADP to be able to make him up in other places. And I said that he was absolutely just unnecessary in a redraft format, and boy, was I wrong again. Um, definitely still a position you could have streamed and won and done well, which is pretty much what I did all year. I, I'm pretty sure I started like Jared Goff in that league at, like multiple times and like Baker Mayfield, which sucked last week. But um, yeah, man, I mean, something to be said about Kyle Murray just being an absolute stud this year. And yeah, that I screwed that one up big time. And he did it with a shoulder injury for quite a few weeks. I want to say like three or four weeks that kept popping up on the injury report. Now it doesn't exactly hurt him that they ended up with Nuke Hopkins and fleeced the Texans for him, but yeah, but I think I was even talking about after that not taking him. Like I, I'm, it might have been. Yeah, I'm not even like no. I was stubborn. I I tend to be that. And then um, with that said, that when you have great players around you, like. You, you're gonna probably play well and he was a great player in general Uh, so yeah terrible terrible call by me david so i don't know what it was because i like looking over my ranks now and stuff i had a lot more hits than i wanted to talk about and they just don't stand out because for me the misses that they they are they hurt more than the, the the hits do and i don't know what it is i think that's coming for a lot of people you shot for the moon on a lot of them too. I'll, they were, yeah, and they were. I mean, they were, they were, they were takes. They were spicy. So, AJ Green, we talked about that. He didn't get injured. I'll say that at least he he wasn't injured. So, that's the only solace I can take from that. Uh, so, I guess maybe I am a doctor still that uh, he wasn't injured. But no, it it uh, it was it was bad. Uh, I will say though the over. So part of that overall strategy was it only took a mid second to acquire him. It last year in the off season. So. I still and I and part of the, in the article I wrote for him on Desi Happy Hour, the cl- the crutch of the argument was this is a low risk, high reward play, and if it doesn't hit, no big deal. So I still feel like that part of the strategy was okay, except we all saw what happened with AJ Green. Then number two, zero RB. If you guys remember, we had a pretty long discussion on zero RB, and when I presented it, I was a little bit too focused on some of the comedy takes about zero zero RB and didn't get into the strategy enough. And the anti-fragility piece, the part where you can avoid these running, these running back injuries like a Christian McCaffrey, like a Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, so many running backs. And if you look these, once you get past the top 12 RBs, it really drops off quickly. What, and like, so what you, when you build a strong wide receiver team, it prevents you from suffering that because it's a race to win the flex there's a lot of ways that you can do this so that i, I misconstrued that now in the teams that i did not go zero or that i went heavy rb i actually won in so i i just think i misconstrued zero rb and that it was dead i think it was it had a pretty good year until of course they went up against uh alvin kamara in in championship week but nothing mattered after that point yeah Devontae adams might have come back for some people if they were facing but they might not have advanced because Devontae Adams had a weak week the week before. So it, I just I think I did a, ba- a poor job construing that and and the benefits of zero RB. So I, I count that as a loss. This one stings a lot, and that's why I didn't necessarily lead off with it. I, I'm not sure if it's just dry in my room or if that's a real tear forming in my eye. <laughs> but, and I'm not joking. That's um, This is not for theater. Uh, but DJ Moore is not a top five wide receiver this year. That one hurt. Uh he was still top 24 even after missing games, uh, and 
He did it in some pretty weird circumstances. Just, But I still, if we were to watch DJ Moore, I thought he looked good, and I think he still is a stud. I just, he wasn't the smash home run that I predicted him to be this year. So that was, that was a loss. Uh, Miles Sanders, and I have a lot of misses apparently. So but Miles Dave, Sanders. But Dave, D- DJ Moore, the buy window is open, buddy. Oh my gosh. The buy window is open. I, I am so excited. I, I, all you losers who are just got on for the bandwagon, you're not real truthers. So I, I'm so excited to get on some more DJ Moore. Oh, I'll get on the bandwagon now that he's cheap. But um, yeah. Would you agree, though, guys, that he looked good? It just happened to be just weird kind of how that offense played out this year? I think that offense, um, first of all, Teddy Bridgewater is like definitely was relying on Robbie Anderson a lot. Teddy Bridgewater might not even be their quarterback next year. First year with Joe Brady. Joe Brady might not even be there next year. Like he could definitely looks like a head coaching candidate at some places. So, yeah, I think it was a first year offense trying to blend with a new coach and a new coordinator and a new QB, but. That also lost its focal point in week one, week right, two. Right. Right. So you're talking like their panic mode, the red room, everything is going on. Right. Th- thank you for pointing out the most important thing I overlooked in that conversation. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a weird year for them. And I- I'm super intrigued to see what happens with them in the draft. Do you guys also think, remember, a lot of the hate for DJ Moore was, oh, he's just a, a, a curl guy. He's just, you know, 10 yards and a target, a PPR machine. He proved how dynamic he was down the field this year. He was the deep threat. Yeah, he had a lot of good routes, a lot of good deep balls. He, he, you could have seen that on college tape all day too. Anyway, so like it was, it was, it was, it was like that was blatantly obvious that that was in. You know what I mean? Oh, for oh, don't get me going. I agree, I agree, but I just feel like there's some vindication there. And this, I'm not really taking an L here, but uh, because I still believe in DJ Moore, but I, I guess technically this is a, a, a I didn't get this one right. Still wide receiver 22 on the year, which is not great, but over a thousand yards. It was, it was a, it was a big Dave moment. He got, he got a little too happy about it. You know, you know, he's just gotta, sometimes you gotta take a deep breath and go, am I a little too excited here? Am I a little too excited? Maybe a little bit. You know, Miles Sanders could have been another case of this. There's another one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I will say there is no way that you, I, I just couldn't believe how that offensive line just crumbled. I think it would have been a totally different season if that offensive line was intact. Uh, I, I will say I was surprisingly, surprisingly shocked at how poor he was catching the ball this year. He had a ton of drops, which I know drops are subjective and blah, blah, blah. But he still was not the sure-handed player that we expected. Now, I do think when your quarterback is being accurate, it is tougher. I think it's just tougher as a receiver when you have a lot going through your head to consistently catch the ball, especially out of the backfield, when you need to make a cut quickly compared to other routes. But I still can't get over the fact that he disappointed a receiving standpoint. And then quickly to get through the rest of these, Calvin Ridley. Oh, man, was I wrong on Calvin Ridley? Uh, <laughs> now, I I was still relatively – I wasn't, like, totally off the boat, and I wasn't as hating as I was hot in previous seasons, but I had no idea this was a was in the realm of possibility. And then – this is, I think, the biggest one, and I actually want to spend a little bit of time here on this one. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Man, was I low on Stephon Diggs this year after being really high on him in previous years. And I just, I don't think there's a player that I've ever skewered as hard as I have Josh Allen. And a lot of it was in jest, but I really, I meant a lot of the things I was saying as far as how poor of a quarterback I thought he was going to be. How, like a leader, I didn't think he was, I didn't like any part of his quarterback game, honestly. And he proved in the metrics that I care about, pocket complete, or Completion percentage in a clean pocket. Completion percentage over expected, which are two very sticky stats going forward. 
that he was incredible in those. I think he is the, I can't believe to say it. He's the real deal. And how that offense has changed for him and how he is. You saw it multiple times in the Pats game. He didn't do that deep down the field throw. He checked it down to the sure thing. His development as a quarterback, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in my lifetime as far as quarterback development of someone who literally was had never been over, I believe, 60% in any level of football. Not high school, not JUCO, not college, not the NFL, had never cleared 60% completion percentage, and now is one of the most accurate passers in football. Um, remarkable, remarkable. They had a breakdown in one of the Bills games a few weeks ago of his quarterback coach talking about the changes they've made to his throwing motion. So they had a video of him from like 2018 coming out to this past offseason. And it's funny, the guy was talking to me, he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we started with like his drop back, then the plant foot, then the hip rotation, then the shoulder alignment, then the hand rotation, then the wrist flick, then like the hip movement. And basically what he ended up doing was they tore it all down and they rebuilt it. And it's, the results are insane. It doesn't happen. I cannot believe, and at a pro level, it just doesn't happen. I am so impressed. I actually think I'm going to do, donate to his charity. I think it's a children's hospital. I think I'm going to donate some of my winnings, a $50 donation to his charity, just because of how brutal I was. And I like that. He, he, I think he's a great player now. I'm really happy yeah. for him. I, that's all I can say. I don't think anyone can do a bigger mea culpa than that. And I, and I sincerely mean, it. I am truly impressed. In all fairness, I, uh, I joined you on that. And um, I did tell some of our friends at the Monocle, I'd rather have uh, Matt Ryan than uh, Josh Allen. That 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 happened. So I will uh, fall on that. I was wrong about Josh Allen as well. However, there's a buyer beware here with Josh Allen for me. They're probably going to lose their offensive coordinator, and that change is going to be significant because I see their offensive coordinator probably getting a pro, like a head coaching job. So, not trying to say like, hey, like you know, jump ship on Josh Allen, but that's something that is the one thing that I say next year that does worry me because Brian Dalbo is a good coach, dude. I actually was thinking about that. I would just say that how that culture that they had developed in, in Buffalo, I feel that they know what is working. And for if they don't hire someone who knows what's working or promote someone, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed because I am just thoroughly impressed with Buffalo in general. I, I can't get over how, how impressive they have been. This is a situation where you hire from within. Like You don't bring a guy from the outside to in the position of that. There's got to be somebody in that locker room that's ready to step up to the plate and be the coordinator. You know what I mean? But because that just totally messes with the chemistry. Like do that, then replace the like a secondary kind of a coach. I mean, that sounds kind of bad, like as if like they're not important. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, the culture in that is painful. It's painful to admit that as a Patriots fan. But yeah, it, the Bills are a real deal right now. And I told you that, Dave. I told yeah, you I that. I said this that year. the Dolphins were a better team than them. I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots were better than them. I said I wasn't going to be surprised. You if... said the Patriots could possibly be a team that would win the division. Yeah, I did. And oh. <laughs> that hurts right now to think about. Yeah, Dave totally <laughs> said that. And I told him that there was no chance. Yeah, they still got seven wins, right? <laughs> oh, God. No, they were I'm, ugly. I'm messing with you. Uh, but, and then finally, Todd, this is one of our guys, Matthew Stafford. I think he, dis he disappointed this year. Uh, I think he was a, a target of ours yep. that we were really high on. And their offensive line wasn't as good, the injury. And then also they're losing. Kenny Galladay doesn't really hurt them and being under Matt Patricia. But I just overall, Matthew Stafford disappointed. So that was a, uh, we thought he was a top, he had like top eight upside and he didn't, he didn't show it. I'd more blame the Lions than Stafford. I mean, Stafford had injuries and then like, he's just in that absolute dumpster fire of an organization right now. And like, they had no idea what their identity was. There were times where, like, 
I mean, Dave talks about how much Quinn, like, reacts to him, like, watching football. Like, I'm pretty calm when I watch football, but Joanne definitely made had some comments for me when I was yelling about this guy Swift and why they're not using him at times. Like, <laughs> you know, so, like, that that was definitely getting me fired up. Do you guys want to hear something wild about Matt Stafford? Yes. Sure. Vince Young has been to more Pro Bowls than Matt Stafford. That is wild. Yeah. That is wild. I think Stafford is the kind of guy that just needs to leave Detroit and get a chance somewhere else that's not a terrible organization he was there for too long right yeah well i also i mean i do worry i mean because he's still there so he's been there for but right they were just they were so bad for so long when they first got him the guy's kind of broken at this point like like you were hoping that he would be able to show some durability and he's just not and i'm kind of starting to feel like his body's starting to give out on him a little bit so He's racked up a lot. He plays through him, but he's racked up a lot of injuries in the last few years. He's got the thumb issue, the wrist issue, he the does. back. He's a tough dude. He's a tough dude, man. Let's not even talk about quarterback landscape because that is just a carousel I'm not prepared for right now. No, no. That's that's a whole lot of whiskey in another yeah, episode and later. and then you got to factor in rookies and like the next draft class, all that stuff, man. All right, so on to the next question. Now that the 2020 fantasy season is pretty much in our rear view, what are you buying? So what did you think about what you saw in 2020 that's an indicator of good things to come? And that could be a certain player playing above what you thought their ceiling was. It could be, I know, a big point that we have been arguing about over the summer is does Kevin Stefanski going into Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt there leave any room for Baker and OBJ and Landry and anybody else to be very fantasy relevant in a Multiple tight end run first offense. And we learned that wasn't necessarily the case, right? Baker lit it up over the last couple of weeks. Jarvis has been reliable. OBJ, RIP. A lot of tight end play there, though. So, Dave, what did you see out of 2020 that you are all in on for 2021? That's funny you bring up the Browns. And actually, I'm going to switch gears here. I think, based off what I I saw, I think OBJ is the wide receiver one uh, going into next year. Um, Wow. That's what I think. Like, Like overall? Overall, yeah. What do you think, Todd? He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Good riddance. Thank you, Delvin Cook, baby. Uh, so overall, I think the biggest takeaway I think that we can really act on is that this 2020 rookie class is the real deal. There are so much talent in our, we did uh, 24 rounds and over our last, our 24 picks in our last two episodes, redrafting the 2020 rookie class, and we still had more to go. I think this is the real deal, and I'm and I'm willing to studs, proven studs, guys like Adams, Nuck, Amari Cooper, A. Rob, Chubb, Cook, Kamara. I'm I'm willing to trade them for some of these rookies to and buy back years and 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 extend my my chance, my opportunity at winning, and maybe hopefully pick up a little value in return. On top of that, that's my biggest takeaway. I think is that. I, I cannot believe how good this rookie class has been and, and how it will be going forward. And that, and I think too, what made, I think what I'm disappointed was is that I didn't see it in my rookie analysis was how much room there were for wide receivers to step up. Even as rookies, we saw all these rookies, these wide receivers step up because there's not a lot of wide receiver talent in the league right now. There's been a transition. There's not a lot of good wide receiver twos on teams and it's a passing league. And I didn't see that. And what shows me going into 2021 and another good crop of, of wide receivers, I don't think people should just say, oh, well, there's been 
Uh, don't expect it to, you know, the, this to happen twice at the wide receiver position. I don't know. There's some good players here, and there's still plenty of spots to be filled across the NFL where they can produce immediately. So I think that's just another thing to take away, too. Yeah, I think we've seen, I know Todd's going to get more in-depth to it, too. Guys don't necessarily have to land into wide-open positions um, like a Brandon Ayuk or, you know, in the case of Justin Jefferson, like somebody coming in to fill a very specific role and void that Stephon Diggs getting traded to Buffalo created because guys can go into situations that seem crowded but can still produce. So, Todd, who did you have as your buy or what did you have as your buy? CD Lamb will finish as a top five wide receiver if Dak is healthy and stays healthy. I was freaking laughed at at the idea of saying he was top 12 around week four, week five. Yet Dave says it was too early to call that, but the buy window was closed. Like, what the hell? Like, those seem like con- like contrasting ideas for the record. But at the idea, like, Lamb is a special, special, special player. He is out of this class, by far the best player who could be at the top of his position. So just the best actual football player out of this class is C.D. Lamb. So, by far, Todd? By far? By far. Over by Jeff- far. He's, that, he's so much better than Justin Jefferson. Absolutely. I think Justin Jefferson... Wait, best player or best wide receiver? Player. You said player. player. I'm talking about running backs, wide receivers. I mean, defensively, I haven't really thought about, but he's probably better than all of them too. But my whole point being is that what Lamb showed when he played is there's p- pieces of him that has been untouched. He's that much better than Jefferson. What he's going to be able to do after the catch is significantly better than Jefferson. Jefferson, the one place that he dominates C.D. Lamb is in route running. Everything else C.D. Lamb is either better at than him or comparable. Yeah, he's been wide receiver 18 on the league in half-point scoring. I mean, that's just fantastic for a rookie debut when you lose your starting With quarterback garbage in the thrown in. third week, yep. right? And you're just, you've got trash. Trash. Absolute trash. Does it make you wish you'd trade it up to get him in our Dynasty League? Screw you. Literally, I feel like <laughs> I could have gotten him from any other person but you. Oh, for probably less than you were offering me. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But hey, solid investment, right? Here we are still talking about it. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I got Judy, who I made in the Swift, who I made into Delvin Cook, so I'm not really that upset about and he, it. And here you sit with the with the crown, so I hats off to you. Crown. So I'm not too too upset about it, except I do have CD Lamb in some other Dynasty Leagues, just not the one that truly matters in my heart. So uh, for other buys, I had a name that was definitely moved to a different category because I decided to move up. Um, I'm a believer in Chase Edmonds. I mean, I know Dave went into that, and Drake has not signed an extension. He will not sign an extension as far as I'm concerned, and I believe that Chase Edmonds is going to be the starting running back in the Cardinals, and if you're in a league where you're open to trading now, go get Edmonds right now. Like, he did not exactly finish strong, and he's gonna, the opportunity is going to be there once things start to kind of solidify there the price is going to skyrocket now is the time to get chase edmonds in fact the time to get chase edmonds was like the last preseason but there's still a window there and like dave said 20 less points on 106 less touches that's a crazy stat i'm that's blowing my mind but yeah chase edmonds all day about buying him the window is still there it's more expensive than it was but it's still under rated and undervalued 
Fantastic. Dave, you had something to jump in with? Yeah, just to another takeaway I have from this season is that I don't, I do, I officially have come to the conclusion that Cliff Kingsbury is not the chosen one that I had hoped. Uh, he, he's an okay, I think he's a okay coach. He, and they do run at a fast pace. I just don't think schematically and what they do in that offense is anything spectacular. I, I think I, he's just, a, he's just a guy at coaching. He's not the chosen one. He's wow. a solid coordinator. Yeah. Second in yards per game. But wh- I watched a lot of Cardinals this year, and just the way that run game was oriented, a lot of just unimaginative crap with with uh, Kenyon Drake just up the middle, like just up the middle runs, not attacking the corner, the edges of the of the the defense. Now some of that might be offensive line related, so that could change if they invest more in the offensive line. Overall, I I just this could come back to bite me in the butt, of course, but I. I wish I had seen more out of Cliff Kingsbury in year two. So I guess I shouldn't totally write him off, but I don't think he's the chosen one anymore. Interesting. All Please right. let Drake walk and don't draft a running back. If there's anything I want this offseason, please don't. That's, that's all I want. Come on, Cliff. <laughs> all right. Next topic. So the inverse of that. What are you selling? What did you see this year that you want no part of in 2021? Dave. I want to say Chase Claypool here, but I think I'd be officially labeled as a hater at this point. So, I mean, is it possible that he actually sustains being a a, dep- a TD dependent wide receiver who only got 50 scrim yards per game as a rookie? Yeah, yeah, of course that's sustainable. Actually, I think that's gonna what's gonna happen. So nothing, nothing uh, will change. He will sustain that moving forward as a rookie. There we go. Did you guys get the sarcasm that time, my friend? That was pretty good. I think you'd also like to say that you have a bridge that you'd like to sell to the Chase Claypool managers out there. I just want to say, hey, 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 hey. Buck nasty. I, but another thing is, oh, a good call. I can't believe I didn't mention this as the hits. J.D. McKissick, Todd. That was a pretty good call, right? Yeah, I... Yeah, I think we both are pretty high on him, but I think he went that charge. Yeah, that was like a target at the trade deadline. I said, go get yep. J.D. McKiss- McKissick. Yep. And you're like, yep. I'm actually yep. going to go do what Dave just said, which was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so I, did. <laughs> I actually think that I'm the reason why you won this championship, Todd. So I think I would like a little bit of congratulations on my end while you repeated. Are you taking more credit than Alvin Kamara? <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on, though. But yeah, J.D. McKissick, I think – well, actually, I don't think. I He was one of the most inefficient – fantasy players in the NFL last year. He he just was incredibly inefficient and he relied on dump offs from Alex Smith and other bad quarterbacks because they couldn't do anything else on offense. So that has that really propped up his volume or that, that why he was had so much volume. And but I do think he's a decent player. Like will he be usable at times in fantasy football moving forward? Yes. But I'd like to see if anybody fell in love with him. The the idea that oh they're gonna get better on like that offense is improving anything along those lines and just see what you can get out from him because I don't see him being as, as incredibly valuable as he was at times this year. It's hard to imagine them actively targeting him over a healthy Gibson. I think JJ McKissick is going to come back and I think he's going to possibly be like an RB one. I think his trade values through the roof. Uh, Father B, Jeff, sad, Jared. <laughs> I hope you guys are all listening. He is available. I will bring the price down for him. Uh, JJ McKinnis is going to compete and improve. You'll get like a two hundred one. Like t- you'll you'll do them a favor and only do it for the two hundred one, right, Todd? Uh, yeah, two. Yeah, second round, second round pick for him. Any day, any. Day. What kind of generosity from our champion? 
Like, look at him just raining down on these peasants. I'm sorry. Like, I just want to help the weak have some parity, dude. My bad. You know what I mean? I know. I'm just saying in other fiefdoms, Todd, you don't see generosity like that. Uh, you know, I commend you. I could, you know, I could be, I could get a little younger, but I can help out, you know, I can help out, you know, those in need. All right. Dave, anything else to say oh, about that's it. anything you're not? That's All right. Todd, what do you got? What aren't you buying? What are you selling? Uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar is a top 36 wide receiver. I'm, I'm just kidding, dude. Nobody's buying that. So um, that's not happening. And again, that's an absolute fluke. So the two guys that I'm selling hard on are David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Um, this should come as no surprise. I'm sure they're going to be popular sells. But so Montgomery really wasn't that efficient. Definitely had some good games. Um, I definitely see this moving to more of a committee coming into that situation. And his volume will drastically change. The other big piece is that he saw 59 targets. And that will not happen again when Tyree Cohen's back. So David Montgomery in that offense... Not exactly something that I'm looking to invest in. Now, he finished the RB6 in PPR, and I would be selling the crap out of that to somebody who's actually buying on that. So sell, sell, sell on David Montgomery. Josh Jacobs, plenty of volume, finished with a sad 3.8 yards per carry, and then those 10 TDs is what really saved his value. Uh, 44 targets, too. Really didn't do much with that. It's a very easy position to replace, supplement. Why wouldn't both these teams not be looking to add something there? I mean, a fourth-round pick for either of these guys could easily cut into their workload. Or adding a vet, like, what if AP somehow lands with one of those guys and then their coach wants to force him the ball like every other coach does? You know what I mean? John Gruden would love AP. Yeah, of course Gruden would love AP, you know? He's my kind of a guy, you know? And, like... uh Let's just say that I'm not completely fading on these guys. I'm saying they're not RB1s, but they have RB1 prices. So they both could be in the RB2 discussion as part of a committee, but they're both hard sells for me, particularly Montgomery. And the reason why is I think Montgomery probably has a better return than Jacobs at this point. I, I do think he's more valuable now because of the recency bias, because Jacobs really was bad. this year. Now, what are you trying to target in a potential return? I don't know, man. I'd probably be looking at picks, see if I can get like a late first, any you know what I mean, and for, see what else. Any first for Montgomery? Yeah, pretty much. And I think I could probably get more than that, like probably get something on top of that. Like that's where you start looking for your Cole, your Cole Beasley add-ons, you know what I mean? That guy that you really want to have for like some depth. Chase um, Yeah, exactly. I Well, if you're getting a first and Chase Edmonds for those guys, whoo, I'm excited. But um, yeah, definitely that. I actually think you could probably get a mid first for them. And there are guys in dynasty leagues that do not do enough work and research on rookies. And you should know who they are in your league and target. We have guys in our league that just love to trade picks. They love it. Yeah. I mean, those are the kind of people that I'd be looking to take these places, these pieces and move them to, you know, David Montgomery's my number one sale. The other guy I'm selling high on is Robbie Anderson. Very crowded situation. I'm still leaning on those younger options. Curtis Samuel is a guy who quietly had a good year. You know, he finished an RB3. I mean, RB3, a wide three. So I don't think anybody's buying Robbie Anderson, but actually somebody is. <laughs> somebody out there is buying Robbie Anderson. And I'd be trying to max out whatever, whatever value I got out of him. Go find that guy. Go sell Robbie Anderson. It, DJ Moore will emerge from that. Now, what's your floor for moving Anderson? Like, what's the least amount you would take? 
Uh, mid-second, probably. Nice. I'd probably go with a mid-second, and I think that's fair, considering like what he did. I also think that a mid-second plus, I'm the, okay, I'm that guy that when you have that mid-second, you kind of look at what's a smaller piece that you could upgrade to another smaller piece. There's always a little bit extra in that deal that you can do to get a little bit more of an edge. And then you get a guy like a Cole Beasley, who I threw in a deal. When I moved Kittle, he was a throw-in that I got, and he went off for me in a few weeks. So those are guys that you want to have, especially if you have deer, deeper starting rosters. So, yeah, move Robbie Anderson, get some keep some draft capital, and try to get some other good death pieces out of it. I think people might want a light first or an early second for him. He was the wide receiver 15, I think. And I would take that all day, but I'm just trying to say that, like, he said bare minimum, dude. And I would say that it's it's a mid-second plus. Yeah. I, I'm it, just trying it, to say, like, I, in, yeah. just in case that I think that that you don't have to offer that, I think that the best part is I think you can get a late first for him, possibly. Especially yeah. if you wait to see what happens at quarterback. If they do draft, a, like, maybe the, they get some buzz. If they get a, a hot rookie QB or something, or something weird happens where people can get excited about that offense. You could wait to sell high at a different time here because we are going coming off of Robbie Anderson didn't impress down the stretch as much as some people would hope. That's fair. I the other thing though I'm saying is that by with the bare minimum being that mid two, I'm saying that if you're going to take a mid two, there's other ways you can improve your roster by not taking more draft cap. Yeah, I'm not. You know I'm not I mean? disagreeing with you. I'm I'm just trying to. I was yeah, just trying no. to supplement what you're saying. Let's not forget, too, that you can always present him as a strong buy because he's the just latest example of players to escape from under the thumb of the succubus. That's very true. That's very true. But I, I, if, you're off, if, I'm, if you're offering me Robbie Anderson for a late first right now, I'm not even remotely thinking about it. But yeah. there are people that would. So Dave's I, right. I would say, too, Todd, going back to Montgomery, I would see, because I think you're right, he is a popular sell right now. Wait. A little bit in the offseason. Maybe wait until we get a little bit closer, like once the season fades a bit, because people come like early March, people tend to forget what happened. People are going to forget about how easy of a cupcake schedule he had coming off of his injury. He had a dream running back schedule. And if you looked what he did before that, he was nothing. He was not even, he was, people were dropping him and stuff like redraft. He was droppable before he went on that huge run. So if you let people fade about that, f- fade that, going for a little bit and they forget about how easy of a schedule that was, you can get a bit more of a return and they see that RBC. Oh, he was the RB six last season. Yeah. So the whole, th- when I mean now, now it's just before the NFL draft. Yeah, no, no. You I, know what I mean? I wasn't, so I wasn't like, uh, criticizing yeah. you. I was just kind of, as, again, supplementing. Well, I'm just clarifying for people what I mean by now. So well said. So pretty much once rosters start changing, values start changing. So pretty much these are guys that I'd be moving before the draft happens. They draft a running back, it's a different situation. So, and those are two teams that theoretically drafting a running back is plausible. I think it'd be a terrible move for both of those teams because they have bigger needs in other places, but they're also two terribly run teams who make terrible picks a lot of the time. So, them going and overspending on a running back is definitely in the realm of possibilities given that. I would say that Dave's, Dave's, Dave's right, given a little bit of time and then pointing out what he did for the year makes sense, but. Definitely moving both of those guys before the NFL draft makes a ton of sense. Fantastic. All right. Our last segment here, calling your shot. So an early look at the 2021 field. What's an acquisition you're looking to make this offseason that can pay major dividends in the 2021 fantasy season? 
Todd, go ahead. All right. I'm going to rapid fire this. So for me, under the radar, it's all about those cheaper running backs, baby. So I'll go with Gus Edwards again. Everyone is thinking about Dobbins, but Ingram's probably out, man. Like, I don't think he had a significant dead cap. So, like, he's pretty much gone, and there's plenty of room for two there. However, Edwards is also a restricted free agent. So you could go get him cheap if you listen to me the first time, but he's still a bargain. So he finished the RB29 in a crowded backfield, and that volume didn't come until later. So I like it a lot. He ends up in a different team where he could still get the amount of work. I think he's a guy that is just, he's just a good running back. You know, if he goes to a different team and he's still going to find volume, he's still going to find work. Gus Edwards is a guy to invest in now. He was much cheaper before, but he's still cheap today. I already talked about Chase Edmonds. That's another running back that I was really high on. Damian Harris is another solid buy. Um, Edmonds and Harris are kind of like guys that I feel like flash and they prove themselves for sure. But there's a lot of room for more opportunity there. And it seems to be coming from both of those guys. Harris is by far the best running back in the New England Patriots back. And I feel like he's going to continue to see work in that offense. Him staying healthy is a big concern, but I also think that with him staying healthy, what he could return, he's got amazing upside, could be a lock-in as an RB2 with an upside of an RB1 because he's that good of a runner. But again, the health is a big. Uh, By window, Eckler, I'm still a believer. Injuries happen. Take advantage of those frustrated owners by the injuries that the playoff performances and the lack of TDs. I own them. I'm not one of those people, but they QB, go get Cousins. After some early struggles, he proved he's a solid fantasy QB, outstanding value for what he would cost, a great QB too in Super. And for wide receivers, Gallup, I think Julio's gone. I mean, I saw Julio, my bad. I think Amari's gone, and Julio will never be cheaper. Julio was somebody I was very wrong about this year. Probably should do that one on. He's a little fresh on that one. And then Irv Smith Jr., uh, for tight end, I think whoever has him knows what they have in him. He's a top 12 tight end for sure next season in the receivable seizure. If you're in a two tight end league and it's tight end premium, totally worth overpaying for a bit. I tried. I didn't get him. I think Dave has him now, so there's no reason I'm trading for him, uh, especially being connected to a solid QB. Oh, nice. Taysom Hill is a QB one. Boom. Whoa. Watch out. Kidding. Fantastic. David, plant your flag there so todd I, before i move on to your what you said about cousins his people don't realize how good he was this year because i think he did have a little bit of a slow start but in metrics that i care about like i mentioned completion percentage over expected and qb uh completion percentage in a clean pocket he was top in those he was in the top five i think in both those are close to top five very good numbers he threw the ball down the field to his wide receivers got people got uh his we- his weapons the ball and he has he has weapons that that can do a lot of work for him. So I think Cousins is a great great uh, call by you, Todd. Well done, sir. That was all Kennedy preseason too. Kenny was very high on. Oh, him. loved him. Yeah, preseason. But I think in the in the QB landscape is about to get very shaken up. And Kirk Cousins is their QB, and he's in that top twelve discussion. And if he's not a top twelve QB, he's the top QB too. You know, so good call. And then I know this isn't necessarily under the radar, but Jerry Judy, it, he I think he's a great target because his value has fallen. And that's basically because he's seen targets from Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, Kendall Hilton and Jeff Driscoll to tank that value. Jerry Judy has had the air yards. He's had the targets, even though Cortland Sutton's gone. There's actually a decent amount of weapons in that on that team with Tim Patrick and 
Quentin Sutton and uh, KJ Hamler. Noah Fant. Noah Fant. Yeah. And even uh, Aquina Bunam. I can't pronounce it that last name. Todd, who had perfected in the offseason. I'm not sure if I, I should call him early. But so, but I think Jerry Judy is a great buy low target. I think he's still a very good wide receiver. And then also, Nikhil Harry, I, I feel I'm going to get ridiculed <laughs> for this. He had a 22% target share during the first month when the Pats and Cam Newton were competent. Things fell apart, but I think Harry flashed. And I think if there's any type of competency at QB next year, I just don't think he's not, is he the top wide receiver that I thought he was? But I, I, I think we could be under a similar Corey Davis situation here. Maybe not to Corey Davis's heights, but we are, we are. I'm just saying, I don't think he might have not the, I don't think he will, will he ever be Corey Davis. I think he could become a competent NFL wide receiver. I don't think he's a, he could put up zero points in week 16. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just think that there's his, his price is cheap. And that's a decent investment right now. And I know people love to hate on him. So just decent uh, investment. I mentioned earlier, Tim Patrick is good at football. Top 40 wide receiver with Drew Locke as your quarterback for, for at least half the season. Not bad. I, I know he gets a hate because he, I think it was an undrafted or a late round draft pick. So I don't think people get excited about him, but I think he can play. Now, I have to interject on this one. Yeah. Did you forget about Cortland Sutton's exi- existence? No, no I'm, I'm just saying once Matthew Stafford lands with Denver, things are all everything's Ooh. gravy for everybody. I never thought about the possibility. I like that. So that would be nice. So now KJ Hamler is not as good as Tim Patrick. I mean, no, I'm just saying Tim Pat. I would Tim take Patrick, Patrick over Hamler. I'm just, I'm saying he's good at football. Mm, that's fair. I, I just think that the, I can't invest in four wide receivers in Denver. No, that's all. I'm not saying invest. I'm just, what is What do you think? A third round pick for, for, for Patrick? Uh, maybe not actually. Yeah, maybe, maybe cheap. Maybe it's not even like, I just think he's. It's cheap a deep to draft. Get. It's a deep draft. Cheap to cheap to acquire, and especially maybe not in a shallow league where you don't have a lot of starting rosters spots, but in a deeper league where where wide receiver depth matters, I think he's a decent target because those weekly floor players are valuable. Moving on, because I'm gonna and my last player is Salvon Ahmed. He led all RBs with under 80 touches and evaded tackles per game. This is I've preached this a lot of times on this show. Using vague tackles per game with players under a certain tar- or touch threshold has helped me identify players like Austin Eckler, Chase Edmonds, and Chris Carson, who all did well in limited opportunities early on in their careers. And this metric highlights this. Salvan Ahmed is I really like getting him on the cheap. I think I- I'm totally happy. I don't do I want to throw a draft cap on him because Todd, like he said, it's a deep draft. No, but as a piece in a bigger deal. Just say, all right, you want to get this deal done? Throw in Salvo Nachmed. I think that's just how I, I like. Boom. Love that. So that's kind of what I'm I'm thinking about with him. And that's that's it, guys. That's going forward. That's it. 2020, it's in the books. Lock it in. We did it. We got there. All right. Final thoughts. Dave, anything to wrap this baby up? I just want to say, I, I still cannot believe that I won in, in our 2K, our long running league. It It doesn't seem real. I woke up the next day and I've looked at my app several times. I look at it several times a day. And that sounds real. Like Quinn asked me one time during the game, like during the weekend, if I was crying. No, I was not crying about the matchup, but it, I this one meant a lot to me. <laughs> this league has been a lot of bad beats. I've made a lot of stupid mistakes, done a lot of stupid things. I've had done some good things that didn't pay off. I, and this is the league that I I really cared the most about probably for the longest time. So this meant a lot. And then. To all of our listeners and friends I've personally made in the fantasy community, uh, my happy hour, 
and Contender Connection crew, Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies, Peter Howard, uh, everyone in my AIM Twitter chat uh, DM thread, people over at Dynasty Football Factory, DHH, Dynasty Happy Hour, uh, Rookie Fever crew, Shane and, and Finero, my, my new home at DLF. Most importantly, my two co-hosts, Sean and Todd, thank you all so much for making 2020 bearable. It's been a miserable year for a lot of people. We've all had a lot of ups and downs, or maybe a lot of de- just downs for a lot of people. For me, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I really want to thank you. I don't, not sure if I can properly convey how important fantasy football has been to me this year and how much I have enjoyed getting to know so many people out there in the audience, so many people on Twitter, and just spending this time with you guys talking fantasy football is something I look forward to doing each week or every other week how it was in season. Guys, this show means a lot to me. Talking fantasy football means a lot to me, guys. So just thank you. Thank you for, uh, for that in 2020. Anyone else you want to thank, Dave? And yes, because I'm getting choked up and I almost forgot to say um, thank you to my wonderful wife, Quinn, who lets me spend all this time on fantasy football, letting me lose my cool. Well, she doesn't, really, she doesn't like me losing my cool on, in the playoffs, but I just uh, <laughs> want to say thank you. And I love you for, for supporting my, uh, my weird obsession with a game about a game. So thank you. And thank you, everyone else, too. Quinn, you're a saint. You're a saint. Fantastic. Todd, you, any final thoughts? I'm shocked that this fantasy season actually finished. Amen. Uh, the COVID and injury piece was such a challenge this year, but it was still such a great year because it happened when we needed it most. Uh, with everything going on, fantasy was a true light at the end of the tunnel for me. Uh, really was something to look forward to. Uh, I love you guys. I love all the guys over at the IDP guys, all the people I've met in the fantasy uh, community. Uh, except Lanny, he's kind of a dick, free Hollywood, and uh, fantasy football for life, gentlemen. I, I'm super excited. Fantasy football doesn't end, man. I'm ready for the offseason. Let's go. Fantastic. Well, another one in the books, guys. Well done. I just want to say for me personally, thank you for having me on this year. This has been fantastic. Like Dave, like Todd, this is just something I look forward to every week. I like trying to scheme up weird ways to kind of underhandedly insult Todd into making fun of himself, making Dave, drawing him into a conversation he doesn't want to have. This has just been fantastic. And I love to pick your brains about this. It's great to have to realistically put this content out here with you guys and then also try and compete against each other. That's just a whole other level of complications to our fantasy realm that I love. I will say that you are quite the fantastic host. Maybe not the best host we've ever had, but one of the two best. But but probably in the top two. Definitely in the top two. I'll take that. That's a win. That's a win. All right, we're going to close it out on a question here because this came up twice while we were doing this. DeAndre Hopkins, what is his nickname? Nuke. Nuck. Nuke. Which is it? Nuke. David, you say Nuck. Yeah, I say Nuck. Nuke. Now, it when it's spelled, it doesn't have an E at the end. I say Nuke. It might be Nuck. Nuke know. sounds cooler. I'm from Maine. Twitter, I, let, I, us, let us know. I'm from Maine. I wouldn't res- uh, respect any of my pronunciations on anything. <laughs> I just think Nuke sounds cooler. <laughs> I've always thought it was Nuke. All right. It sounds enough. more realistic. Like, what is Nuck? Yeah, fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. But Dave. if anybody knows, let us know. There. David, where can they find you, bro? Find me at FF underscore Spaceman. Uh, Dave Wright on Twitter. Uh, hit up my, my pinned tweet. It's got all my databases. A lot of cool things are happening in 2021. I'm going to be releasing a Patreon where you can get my rankings. Get a bunch of additional databases, charts, graphs, all kinds of things I've been working on for a while now. I'm going to release it all on there. 
uh, very minimal, like one, two bucks a month. You're going to get it all for free and personal advice and Excel help. Anything you need, I'm yours. Uh, look forward to that. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Oh, and check me out on, I'm like the third, the awkward third wheel on Rookie Fever podcast. So yeah, check me out there. <laughs> Lovely. Todd, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore banterman. All about getting out there, doing some more banter. I'm always about talking about pretty much anything football or basketball related. Or, heck, just throw out a topic with me. Let's have a talk. Um, definitely diving into Debbie, Debbie, Debbie content more and more. I am actually feel pretty good about my top 25 for the 2021 rankings already. Um, diving more into that. I am working on the rookie guide with the IDP guys. That is going to be absolute fire. And we have teamed up with the guys over at Dynasty Vipers. Uh, everybody knows who Dinkus is. And um, yeah, so it's going to be a great offseason. And more importantly, you can find me over here at A Tale of Two Rivals bantering my butt off. Fantastic. All right, gentlemen. Fantastic week. Fantastic talk. Let's take it out. Peace out, fellas. episode it was it was had good flow to it i feel like we didn't really get bogged down in anything like it was just it was nice it was we just like the offseason better i think well I, I like to think of it it's like dominoes right like yeah it's sweet to watch them all fall and actually see that pattern emerge but it's really about laying them all out and designing everything well said you mashed us lost by one in double overtimes you bastards made me record during that. that's okay it's fine <laughs> they're not relevant it's okay Gentlemen, it was a good time. David, don't you have to be on to something in three minutes? Yeah, I'm going to be on the back uh, block of the back podcast, so that'll be a lot of fun. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so I'll uh, talk to you guys. Uh, I mean, I'll see you in the in, on the streets. All right. <laughs> see you on the streets. <laughs>